When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the big stream. I am Liam McEwen here today with Stephen Douglas, and we once again reconvene to talk Dragon House, House of the Dragon. Episode five was released last night while Aaron Rodgers was beating down on the Chicago Bears again. And it was a very eventful episode after the previous two had been a little sleepy on the action front. We had as is Game of Thrones tradition, a very violent wedding, a happy affair turned into a bloody affair. And there were a lot of political machinations that were starting to come to light. And perhaps most importantly, this is a landmark episode because it marks the halfway point. And it is also the last before they take a big time jump and replace many character actors and actresses. Steven, how are you feeling after this most recent episode? Uh, same way I have been feeling. You know, I was I was mostly entertained for an hour. Um, uh, I I think that Prince Damon, despite being the uh, the maybe the most evil character, he's he's the mo- definitely the most fun one to have around. So uh, we got some we got some good Damon stuff, some good bad Damon stuff. We got what. I mean, against all odds, I feel like the wedding in that episode might have been the the uh, the most depressing one in uh, Game of Thrones history, which is really saying something. Um, at this point, you're kind of expecting uh, weddings to go poorly, but I mean, this one just in in a whole new way. Uh, so props to them for uh, thinking up a new way to uh, have a bummer of a wedding. <laughs> Okay, very interesting take to kick off the pod here. So obviously this wedding was very sad and depressing. We had to see uh, the future king's boo-thang get beaten to a pulp by Sir Kristen Cole, who kind of turned into a little bit of an incel there uh, after sleeping with the queen once. And it was all very sad, but I mean, the most depressing... We've had some really fucked up weddings in Game of Thrones history, you know? I'm- yeah. 
why you think this is more depressing than say the death of half the Stark clan. Well, I, I maybe uh, maybe depressing is not the right word. Uh, the the red wedding obviously um, just I don't know, just very the that was definitely the most impactful, the most violent and shocking. Um, as somebody who had not read any books, that was definitely one of the uh, jaw dropping things from the show. But uh, looking back, like I I don't know this one. This was just. I mean, it was definitely down. Um, I think just the way it was the planning and then they're like, well, no, we have to do a shotgun wedding now. We just have to, <laughs> we just have to uh, get the paperwork in on this one. Yeah, that was um, maybe the, that was, that was the truly depressing part was watching them just quickly get married while there's still blood on the floor. But I do kind of get what you mean. What a visual. If only because like the previous weddings that we've seen have had a certain amount of, I don't know, happiness involved to some extent i mean i guess daenerys's wedding in the very early first season to cal drogo was not super joyful but i mean otherwise even the red wedding like for the first couple minutes you're like feeling good because you like the characters and you know that it's an important like political moment for them and then everything went to shit with this it was like you know we're not as invested as we were in you know previous weddings simply due to the nature of this being the fifth episode of the show but there was like nobody seemed really happy about this at all going in and then everybody just left even more sad than before <laughs> yeah uh sir Kristen cole definitely had uh a lot going on this episode he i mean incel's kind of the wrong way because she still wanted him um so it was very uh voluntary his choices um he kind of threw himself at the the mercy of the uh not even mercy he asked basically asked the queen to kill him um he tried to get uh the princess to run away with him uh he got rebuffed by that i he could have just stayed there and played the guard and hooked up with her for the rest of his life but uh i guess he that he he didn't he didn't want to be in a, a relationship like that he wanted you know his he wanted to do the right thing by her and but he's not bigger than the realm so uh our princess decided to uh go through with her arrangement and i don't know it was it was kind of wild his the many uh times he tried to mess up his life it'll be interesting to see uh what the queen does with him in uh the next couple episodes was that whole was the whole brouhaha during the dance was that just from a rat i guess <laughs> which i get that but you're right, <laughs> incel was the wrong word. I think more toxic masculinity and that the prince oh, yeah. used to run away with him. And then he basically responded by murdering some guy who he did not really didn't know at all going into it and just kind of got like set off by a relatively innocuous comment. Yeah, I mean, what I have to watch it again, but it seemed like a bunch of guards ran in. I mean, were they chasing a rat? Was it the was it the rat from ratatouille who had prepared the food um it, it kind of heard you kind of heard a rat sound and then like some screaming and then the royal guards came in that was just chaos uh it's a little weird how the the king consort got beat up and then uh, and then Kristen cole just got the guy who knew his secret and just 
pummeled him in another one of the uh, most brutal, uh, violent deaths um, in the in the the Game of Thrones history. I mean, just what he did. I mean, that was up there with uh, with the mountain, um, just pulverizing a face. Um, I don't know. It's hard to come back from that, and and then to uh, have a wedding after that is both hilarious and sad. Yeah. I do think the chaos that you mentioned was an interesting aspect of the like fight because usually with Game of Thrones, the chaos that they display is during like battles and fight scenes is because they are inherently chaotic. But this time around, it felt like they used the chaos to like shield the viewers from knowing what the fuck was going on like on purpose as opposed to because if it was like you know regular wedding a regular old brawl you probably could have seen what was going on as opposed to like a battle of the bastards where it's so chaotic that there's no chance you could ever see anything this this felt like a little bit more of like a device than the nature of the thing but it was i mean pretty it was intense it was intense they definitely got the you know light lean forward in the seat from me so I could get a little bit closer to the TV to really, really zero in. That's when you know I'm focused. They did get that from me. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, I'm just going down IMDb and I was, I was trying to think of Renera's name and I mean, they've already, they've already dropped the actress way down on the uh, IMDb page. She's off the front. Yeah. So it was definitely a big turning point in the show as she is uh, married off in a, a sad arranged marriage where now both of them have lost their their little uh, side pieces. Hats off to Millie Alcock and Emily Carey for their uh, their tremendous work through five episodes. The actresses who will be succeeding them have a lot to live up to. I mean that in all sincerity. I think the characters both could use a little bit of work just broadly speaking but in terms of the performances I think those two really killed it and uh these last five episodes I think I'm gonna miss them but we're uh you know there's a lot a lot of different moving parts now especially in regards to Allison really coming into her own as uh kind of playing the game of thrones wearing green to the wedding which is why the wedding is being dubbed the green wedding. I don't really know why we need to assign colors to all the weddings. The red wedding is the red wedding, but like otherwise we probably could relax on that front. But she wore green, so it's the green wedding. Uh, and it's just going to, I don't know. I mean, I this the, my thing with this episode is that it kind of again, like three out of the five episodes in, in House of the Dragon so far have felt like episodes where they're organizing plot points Mm -hmm. and the previous like two times that happened most of the plot points were extinguished by the following episode yeah there's a lot of the uh entourage movies on movies off thing um with the with the the plot mechanisms and dragon house but what are you gonna do uh for calling it the green wedding um i i thought that they kind of naturally uh did uh some dialogue for the viewer to understand uh whatever house that was the the high towers yes the high tower burns the green smoke or something like when they elect a pope um <laughs> the, that's like a declaration of war 
uh yeah it was definitely a it was it was a big episode for our queen who uh has now you know maybe driven by the loss of her father leaving and she's been made to understand that her best friend was uh lying to her so she's kind of she's ready to play the game of thrones you know maybe she's our uh our new cersei that would be a fun twist, but nobody could really ever be our new Cersei because you just got started off hating her so fucking much and then, you know, got around to respecting her, I guess. But with Allison, you know, we saw her ascend from, like, basically an innocent little girl to this episode fully transforming into, like, a fully fleshed-out political power player. Speaking of fathers and leaving, King Viserys looked real bad this episode again. I don't know if he's going to be dead to start the next one or if he's going to be on death's doorstep, but they really amped up what we had talked a little bit about when we recapped episode four about the physical deterioration, not only in terms of showing his gross hand and the flesh eating disease that he has and all that stuff, but like the man's hair, once again, really, really struggling on the airline front. Yeah, um, it was it was a rough episode for him. You feel bad, you know as as the uh the king and the father of the bride you only get to make so many uh super cool speeches and he kind of got he got upstage once before by uh damon showing up like you know i'm cool again and he didn't he again welcomed him back then his uh lady wife made the uh entrance serving Cer- cersei lannister and he he completely got thrown off track. Maybe he, I guess he might've uh, understood what was happening with the uh, declaration of uh, a, the green day. And then the party fell apart. So I don't know. And then he started, he got his nosebleed. He's just having a rough time and he's not long for this world. And I think that once the show probably really get going, you know, once he's gone and we can, uh, actually start playing the game of thrones because as of right now nobody's really making any big moves i mean except for damon yeah it feels like they introduced a couple of different characters who could be making big moves once the time jump happens like uh laris strong i believe that weird creepy man was called but i love him honestly he's the exact type of slimy palace insider that this show really needed because Otto hightower as we previously discussed was not doing the job um and that's because sort of again where the frustration is coming in it's like you know if everybody introduced in this episode ends up being important then it feels like for the first five episodes, there were a bunch of minor subplots for them to essentially keep us busy until they got to the stuff that they wanted to do, which is a weird creative decision to make. Yeah, they're definitely uh, playing up Larry Strong, um, letting him really uh, stretch his uh, creepy cane acting skills. And Jason Lannister, uh, they're they're not letting him go away they're keeping him in front of everybody uh showing him make funny faces um so i i think they're 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 trying their best to uh to make all the uh the game participants um stand out so we'll we'll see what happens it'll be it'll be interesting i think the the plot line with the most possibility for some strong intrigue and true classic Game of Thronesian action is, of course, 
the one involving Sarah Kristen Cole, Alicent, and our queen, or our future queen, Rhaenyra. Uh, Alicent saved Kristen Cole's life at the end of this episode. It was a little confusing about why he wouldn't have fallen on his sword at that point. Also, why he was trying to fall on his sword in the first place, really. Guy's so dramatic. Kristen Cole is really <laughs> dramatic, actually. Like, is he the most dramatic character we've been introduced to so far? He he is definitely the drama king of Westeros. <laughs> drama king of Westeros. Uh, I enjoy it a little bit because, if, if only because it's fun to have a character who's been around since the first episode grow mm-hmm. like that, especially since Sir Kristen Cole didn't like speak a word until he hooked up with Rhaenyra in episode four. So for him to take the leap from silent stolid knight at arms to being so dramatic that he blows up a wedding and then tries to kill himself is tremendous and now he's going to be around for the long run but this time he's at Allison's side instead of Rhaenyra's and I'm very interested to see where that goes it's definitely the Game of Thrones um, universe definitely has a, a horror movie thing where once you've had sex uh, nothing good happens to you after that point <laughs> So Sir Kristen Cole, you know, I mean, a different part of his brain got turned on and he just, he just went haywire. Um, I don't know. You would, you would think he'd, he'd be okay to understand, you know, the queen stuff, but you know, he's just got so much honor. Um, you know, he's got that part of Ned Stark in him where, you know, he, he, he needs, he needs his honor and he's nothing without it. Yeah, but that's so. what's confusing about how things transpired in this episode is that he's overflowing with honor to the point that he can't just be a side piece for the queen. I get that. His way to solve that problem is for her to bail on all of her duties to the realm and go to Essos and live with him. Well, he's a romantic. He's a romantic honor man, an honorable romantic, a deadly combination. And then it's that refusal. It's the fact that she's like, ah, I don't really want to leave the throne, but you know, you can still, you know, you can still enjoy the benefits of your position. That's what leads him on this like path of character development. It's a little silly, but it also is like kind of, I don't know, the most, I mean, the best, I think, character development that we've seen displayed on screen so far in House of the Dragon. It's it's kind of surprising how easily uh, the new king's uh, best buddy, his his ginger friend, um, was able to figure out that uh, hey, I know who the queen's having sex with. It's the uh, the the guard honor bound who uh, won't watch people dance happily. So what else happened during this episode? Well, we learn that the future king is gay with a very weirdly veiled conversation on the beach where they were talking about eating food as sexual appetites. Yeah, well, now that yeah, it's yeah. That, uh, what, what was the food? They were talking about duck and goose, I believe. Uh, duck and goose, yes. Duck and geeses. Um, it's weird how, how in a show like this, um, in a world like this where, you know, there's uh plenty of incest and violence and uh and lots and lots of successful whorehouses that people can't just uh say i'm i like to have sex with this or um uh they were groping and kissing they have to say coupling Coupling. Um, yeah the the duck and goose conversation was hilarious i actually had to put on the subtitles because i couldn't believe what i had heard (laughs) Um, and for a minute i thought that she was just talking about how uh she kind of like 
I got the you kind of got the impression that she kind of like Allison uh, earlier in the series. So I thought it was like that. And then and then it quickly becomes apparent that Lenore is uh, gay and his everybody knows it. It's not a secret. His parents knows it uh, and his parents know it. Um, so I, I can't believe it's much of a secret. So but I don't know. Uh, you know, it's it's important to uh, have our our royal wedding. And I think the other uh, interesting plot point from this episode is Prince Damon's spot, like chaos spiral. Really have no idea what his plan is here. You know, three episodes, we thought he had this like kind of grand master plan to take over the throne. And now he's just kind of bombing around doing what <laughs> Prince Damon does. And the crazy, like the kind of the interesting character reveal is that we got to meet his first official wife who is both cool and pretty and not anything like he was you know claiming and then he killed her. it's like you could have had a pretty you know a pretty good life by the standards of the you know this universe hanging out with her you know making babies with her having a family and like she's pretty powerful and she's very competent she's a great sportsman hunter all that good stuff and then he just killed her and then went to go crash his niece's wedding and maybe try to hook up with her on the dance floor just a little bit. I don't know what's 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 going on with Prince David. Like what's you know I, I get things kind of suck for him, and so he's sort of you know embracing the the bad, the bad, and spiraling and loving every second of it. But like he was he's a I know I said it, he wasn't a long term planner recently on this podcast, but he's not he's not incompetent. Like he he usually has a plan. Well, I think you you kind of nailed it last week. You were saying you didn't think he had a big plan, and I think he just kind of bounces around and whatever uh, whatever he thinks up at the time. He's like, oh well, let's see what happens there. Damon showed up at the veil, and you know it's it's questionable to have a uh, any pretty much any character go out past the walls of pretty much any house or castle alone, and then Damon's just able to show up in the middle of a uh, uh, underneath a cliff in his uh, hood and immediately just kill his wife and walk away uh, it, i mean is it not a little questionable that the day he shows up she falls off her horse and uh, smashes the back of her head off a rock well clearly her uncle thought as much because he challenged him into a fight in the middle of the wedding so, yeah i mean damon's damon's just pure agent of chaos he will go wherever um so yeah, definitely uh, Damon, the best villain who is also kind of, I mean, they keep trying to like kind of make him good. Um, you wonder if he'll eventually convince his uh, niece to uh, take his hand after his, her husband uh, mysteriously dies in not so mysterious circumstances. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that does kind of seem like the end goal if there was ever going to be one for Prince Damon, but it would also be great if he just spent the last five episodes of this series just kind of stumbling around and making things significantly worse through his mere presence on screen. I would enjoy that. But you have to wonder, I mean, if it's going to be such a time jump that suddenly we need to uh, change a couple actors. I mean, how is, I, I won't, I'm going to want an explanation of how, how he survived the entire time. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm also going to need to know if uh, we got a new crab feeder. And 
then on top of that, if he does survive, then I don't know, he's gonna be super he's gotta be super old if it's long enough to have to replace an actress in the main role. But Matt Smith, I'm pretty sure, is still staying on board. So I I think he's not gonna age very much at all, to be honest with you. I think he's gonna maybe get a couple of wrinkles and a different haircut again, but otherwise Prince David. That, that, could, that could be fun to watch is uh every time jump Matthew Smith uh has a different hair has a different hairstyle to uh change with the times. Yeah, well that would make more sense than him cutting his hair for no reason between the end of the battle but, uh, with the crab feeder and showing up to the court to hand over his crown. At least the time jump would have a self-explanatory aspect. Yeah, maybe he'll buzz his hair like like cool people do. Let's give a half season review this time around instead of merely one episode. Uh, through one half of the first season of House of the Dragon, I am at probably like two dragons out of the five that we've seen. Hmm. I don't think, I mean, maybe I'm being a little harsh, but it doesn't feel like the first five episodes had a lot of connectivity outside of the three like really main characters whose stories we're following which is fine obviously and that's like the point of the show you know is to follow kind of Renera and her father and Allison and Damon but you know what made Game of Thrones so good was that everything mattered not just the scenes with the important people and in, so far they've kind of proven that episode to episode things aren't you know really carrying over they kind of ditch storylines both as a result of the uh, time jumps and then also just because they decided to so I'm not terribly high on it and really my biggest complaint to this point is that we've just been seeing dragons but there's been very little dragon action we had one battle scene which you know they gave us that box to check but otherwise the dragons really haven't done a lot and it's been fun to see the dragons but if you're going to be house of the dragon you got to utilize the dragons a little bit more in my opinion so i'm at two out of five i think that i think i am though i am after this past episode a lot more optimistic about the second half of the show than maybe i was going into episode five um yeah i i'd probably give it a two and a half stars on yelp for the uh the wedding venue last night um i thought there were some security issues obviously you've got rats running around um so i don't i don't i don't know if i'd want to have a wedding there um there are there's going to be some a lot of pressure on the new actors and actresses that have been time jumped uh because i mean the the acting has been pretty good it's been a, it's been a good game of thrones knockoff um it's it's struggled to uh feel so important uh, it's just it's they're just in an impossible position but you know they it's got a lot of good things going for it and i i'm happy to tune in and watch it every week um it, it has not upset me to the point that uh game of thrones did at the end as kyle noted last week so you know i'm i'm happy to see where they go with it uh, but it's it's not like it's it's obviously nothing nowhere near as good as the original. But I mean, what could be uh, this early? Yep, that's a very good point. And uh, I think I would only use that wedding venue if they got the blood out of the floor. And I don't think they had power washers back then. But they I had mean, they didn't use a towel. 
they but also on the other hand they have more practice getting blood out of stone than probably anybody using a power wash nowadays does but uh yeah i mean it's like you said it was never going to be as good this early for what it is it's entertaining there aren't too many infuriating you know writing holes and things of that nature it's well produced uh it could have been much worse i think it could have been a little bit better but it probably could have been much worse so yeah it, it feels like game of thrones and that's all that they really needed to accomplish given the straight, just given the fact that it's a prequel, we all know where it's going, all that stuff, but it feels like Game of Thrones. Last five episodes, if the actors and actresses who are coming in in relief can uh, continue pitching a quality game here, then I think we have a, we, we, we could be in store for some fun episodes uh, over the next couple of weeks. Agreed. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to The Big Stream. I am Liam McEwen, and this was Stephen Douglas. Log on to thebigleague.com for all of your sports and media news, and we will see you next time. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.